We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, all right, all right. Notre Dame fans, welcome back to the Irish Breakdown Podcast. My name is Brian Driscoll. I'm the publisher of IrishBreakdown.com. Joined by my guy, Ryan Roberts, our recruiting director. And we're going to talk recruiting today, Ryan, obviously, because it is the Monday recruiting hour. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to kind of, we're going to do a couple of these this week. We're going to have a few shows about recruiting. And today's show is going to focus on, as we kind of sadly finally wrap up the 2021 season, you know, because I... Don't watch the NFL until there's no more college football to watch. And then I begrudgingly watch the NFL. And now there's not even that to watch. So we are officially into the offseason. And Notre Dame is pretty close to having its coaching staff figured out. We're, we should get, you know, some word here and a, and a few on that final piece. But it's kind of in that position where it's time to really dive headfirst into recruiting Notre Dame. And the reason you say that is, is because, for a while there, it's kind of like, okay, this is who's on the board now, but mm-hmm. is that going to change when this co- these new coaches arrive? Right. Well, I think with Marcus Freeman being the head coach, the defensive board's not going to change a whole lot when the new D coordinator came. It's really about let's get the offensive class or offensive staff together. That mm-hmm. is now together. And we're going to start today by looking at the offensive class uh, from a big picture standpoint, beginning with what are the needs in this class, Ryan? And I think that's always, as a coach, that's the first thing you have to establish. As we get on the road, what are we looking for? What are we going out there to get? Right, right. No, and it's it's a lot of great points there. And like you said, with Coach McCullough, new tight end coach, Harry Heastan coming back into the picture for Notre Dame. And then, you know, the just kind of the, you know, the everything surrounding new, um, you know, running, <laughs> replace a lot of position coaches, obviously, on the offensive side of the football. So, it's exciting to see how those boards do shake out because I know for a long time we were talking about this offensive line board, right? And we we're like, well, that could mm-hmm. change completely <laughs> with the coach he's yeah. and seeing, you know, kind of who he wants. So it's going to be an interesting conversation. Mm-hmm. And we know, you know, the other big layer is that, you know, defensive recruiting is off to a very hot start in mm-hmm. 2023. Offense needs to catch up, mm-hmm. you know, quote unquote, a little bit. And it's mm-hmm. it's going to be a paramount class for a few different positions. So it's, uh, it's going to be definitely – you know, I don't want to call it a new era because obviously Tommy Reese is still the offensive coordinator like he has been. 
but we have obviously a lot of new parts, a part of the machine on that side of the. Board. I think you can go there, Ryan. I, I okay. do think you can go there because I still believe that. And I think the fact that Tommy Reese talks so much about autonomy and wanting autonomy speaks to the fact that he didn't feel he had it before. You know, and I think in a lot of ways, Brian Kelly was still sort of driving the bus on who was going to be on staff, you know, how the offense was going to look, who they were going to recruit for, what kind of players they were going to look for. Right. And now Tommy Reese gets to kind of drive that bus a little bit, right? Like, you know, Marcus Freeman's handed him the map, but now Tommy Reese gets to drive the bus. Whereas before Brian Kelly handed him the map, got in the, the, the bus and said, I know where I'm going. You just hang back here and check out that map I gave you. Right. And then, you know, you go do what I want to do. So I do think we can say it's a new era. Plus the fact that, you know, look, position coaches are always going to have their own likes and dislikes and, mm-hmm. and any good coordinator and Tommy Reese, I think did this with the previous staff is he's going to give them some, you know, some leeway to say, Hey, look, I, I may like this guy better, but if you want to stand on the table and pound for that guy, then we'll, we'll go get that guy. Right. And I think now it's, 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 you know, so there's going to be some of that. There's going to be some coaches that bring some different likes and dislikes. Dylan McCullough is going to be different than Lance Taylor. Jared sure. Harker is going to be different than John McNulty. I pray to God that Chancey Stuckey's different than Tell Alexander. And, you know, so it, it, we're going to see what, it, what it's going to look like. And so I do think it's fair to say it's a new era. And when you look at the class, I mean, the, the, you have to look and say, okay, well, what are the needs we have? What are the numbers that we have, right, mm-hmm. and that, that, that we have to meet in this class? And that's what we're going to sort of discuss today. And then we'll give you all some just some early names to know, some guys that we like that are on the board. And we'll dive more into that here as we start to as we start to do sort of some shows where we're going to kind of break down the receiver boards. That'll be sort of what we do on the Wednesday nights. We'll start diving into the film of some of the top players on the board. And, you know, this will the, the the who will be more of the focal points of future shows. Today, we want to kind of lay a lay a big picture outlook on it. And before we dive too much into the offense, one thing that I've gathered from talking from multiple sources around Notre Dame and then kind of taking what they're telling me and then looking at the numbers to see if what they're telling me makes sense. Mm-hmm. It, it makes a lot of sense. This is going to, they, they anticipate this being a big class. I've heard 25 plus is what I've been told. And mm-hmm. if you look at the roster right now, there's 28 uh, seniors, fifth years and six years on the roster right now. Yeah. Now, some of those guys are going to want to bring back, right? Like there's going to be some fifth years you want to bring back next year, things along those lines. But this is a, this is a, they're anticipating this being a really big class. And so that means two things. Number one, obviously you need to land impact players. But number mm-hmm. two, it means there are going to be some positions you can maybe go a little over than you maybe thought. But there's the problem is there's also some positions where you need numbers. Mm-hmm. And, and so you have to think about that because if you're going to take an extra player at this position, that means you're going to have to take away from an extra position somewhere else, right? A player at another position. And that's why really establishing the board and the need is priority number one. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. The new year is a great time to focus on what's most important to you. Whether it's saving money by ordering less takeout, learning to cook, or prioritizing your wellness, HelloFresh is here to help with endless options to make cooking at home simple and enjoyable. HelloFresh cuts back on time spent in the kitchen so you can spend it on other resolutions with meals ready in around 30 minutes or less. Plus, quick and easy meals, including 20-minute recipes and low-prep, easy cleanup options provide an even faster route to putting food on the table. HelloFresh is the perfect solution for a family like mine. With five kids and virtually no free time in the calendar, HelloFresh brings us fresh ingredients, easy recipes, all in one convenient package. It even allows for the long sought after family time that we love. HelloFresh is something that the whole family loves to prepare and enjoys eating. Just go to HelloFresh.com slash Irish16 and use code Irish16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Again, go to HelloFresh.com slash Irish16 and use code Irish16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Remember, HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. Priority number one on offense when it comes to establishing your board, Ryan, is quarterback. And, you know, I, I think from a, from a need standpoint, this is where the conversation could get really interesting. But mm-hmm. to begin, the, the more important than need, the number need in this class, they need an impact player. I mean, that is, they need a top-level dude at quarterback in this class. Yeah. No. And again, you know, I know for everybody that listens to the recruiting show, we're just going to keep hammering the same point over and over again, because, but everybody knows how important the quarterback position is just in general, in, in football sense and in sports sense, it's the most important position in all of sports. And it's the most important position for recruiting classes. Cause that is, that is the the leader, right? That is the face. That is the symbol mm-hmm. of what can be and what we think could be for Notre Dame, a dynamic 2023 class. And it starts with Dante Moore, quarterback out of Martin Luther King Jr. in uh, Detroit, Michigan. He mm-hmm. is a guy that we keep talking about, you know, two and a half, two and a half hours away. That These guys don't show up all the time, in, you know, not mm-hmm. quite in your backyard, but pretty close to being in mm-hmm. your backyard, right? Like these, this is a, a short drive away from South Bend, Indiana. So this is the kid that is, represents a five-star player that can be a program-changing player. Right. We always talk about the Deshaun Watsons of the world that really got it flipped in the right direction for Clemson, right? And that This is the guy. 
And there's going to be other guys on the board that we want to talk about, of course. Christopher Fazine out of Alabama, and there's Jackson Arnold, who is now committed to Oklahoma out of Texas. Mm-hmm. But we still think that Notre Dame would be in that conversation if they did not land at Dante Moore. There's Avery Johnson out of Kansas, who's a nice, talented, athletic quarterback. Um, I mean, there's guys, man. Mm-hmm. There's, there's going to be it's guys. It's a deep, deep class of quarterback. For sure. But there yeah. just aren't a lot of Dante Moores. And exactly. you know, what was the I only saw him tweet one thing this weekend. And that one tweet was him putting out his GPA from the last semester. Four That's awesome, man. That's awesome. I, I mean, and, and hashtag student athlete is what he put. You know what I mean? Like, you guys want to know why we keep talking about how much of a fit he is? It's stuff like that. I mean, you, you talk to Dante one time and you're like, this kid's different, right? Like, this yep. kid's a little different. Like, he's not your typical junior in high school young man. You know, he's not your typical – you know, five-star quarterback that, you know, comes with a little bit of baggage, you know, right. uh, you know, personality baggage. This is a, this is a kid that I think you really look at and say, you know, talk about what the it factor is. You know, when you talk about the it factor quarterback and you say, we well, you know, you know, I can't describe it, but I know it when I see it. Well, I think we can somewhat describe it to a degree, you know, and the things you talk about when you look at the it factor, you know, you want a, a young man that's mature. You want a young man that's hardworking. You want a young man that's got leadership qualities. You know, you want someone who understands the importance of, of valuing how he's perceived, knowing that how the quarterback is perceived is going to impact the entire organization. And Dante shows the level of maturity just in the times we've talked to him that, you know, I, I think he understands all those things. He, even comments he made one time, Recently, Ryan, where, you know, it was like a couple months ago where people are asking about when he's going to make a decision. And he goes on this answer that talks about how he has to combine, you know, making the right decision for him with the understanding of knowing that as the quarterback, he's got to figure things out, you know, so mm-hmm. he can be. I mean, just that level of maturity these shows when you talk about the it factor, you know, it's not just that Dante can spin it and that he's athletic and, you know, and he produces big numbers. That's all fine and dandy. There are plenty of there. I wouldn't say plenty. There are several quarterbacks that I would mm-hmm. say have the physical tools that Dante has. What makes sure. Dante different is that he combines those physical tools with some really special stuff in here and in here. And I think that's what makes him so different for Notre Dame. Because I don't think all five stars could thrive at Notre Dame. It's a it's a different animal, man. And yep. and I think Dante and, and the part of the reason that we that 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 I'm so high on Dante is I think he has all the on and off field traits needed to not just be productive at Notre Dame, but to thrive at Notre Dame, which you and I both know goes a lot further than just what you do on Saturday afternoons and evenings during the fall. It goes a lot further than that. Yeah, and obviously we're going to talk heavy about that Notre Dame layer, but I'm going to take us real quick to like an NFL draft perspective for a second because that's that's where you know my bread and butter has always been, right? When you evaluate the quarterback position, it goes so much deeper than the physical traits. It the mental side, the leadership qualities, those things are in many cases make or break, and especially at a place like Notre Dame, where I mean, if 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 being a student athlete and juggling your studies with playing football wasn't difficult enough at the college level, doing it at a level of Notre Dame with the academics that they provide as a institution while still playing high quality, high quality football that is playing a national schedule, right? We're traveling. There's a lot of daunting tasks, you know, 5 a.m. wakeups for, for work, work out. So coach Bayless, like it is a daunting, daunting thing. And it just a football player in general at Notre Dame 
it's it takes a special person, man. Mm-hmm. It really does. It takes a special person, and I th- I believe wholeheartedly. Not only is Dante more a five star talent, I think that he is that type of difference that we need because right. we have seen good quarterback play at Notre Dame. It's been good. There's been good quarterback right. play, but we need difference. <clears throat> something that that turns it to a different level. A guy that can put his space. team on his shoulders and lead them beyond just set. And again, I think this is what is often missed. And when we have the conversation about Malik Zaire. And, mm-hmm. and what separated him from Deshaun Kaiser and why I've always said they made a mistake going with Deshaun Kaiser over Malik Zaire is because if we're just going to talk with about physical tools and NFL projection, there's no debate. It's Deshaun Kaiser, right? But Deshaun didn't have a lot of those other things that Malik had. Right. You know, and, and, and that's why when it was Malik's team in, through an entire offseason, that 2015 team had such a different personality than other teams. Mm-hmm. Wherever Golson didn't really have that type of leadership ability, you know. I mean, the only quarterback they had really during Everett's time was that that had that leadership was Tommy Reese. You know, sure. well, he's the backup, right? I mean, you know, you, it, it's going to be different, and you know, Malik had that, right? And that's what made Malik a, a little different. Different, and yeah. and you know, it's like why why do players like Drew Locke and Deshaun Kaiser and Geno Smith go from projected top fifteen picks to second round? It's not because they they measured how far they could throw it or their miles per hour or their spin rate and all that other kind of stuff. It's because those three guys had some question marks on some of the other things that went into quarterback. And not all attitude. It's just sometimes it's it's accuracy. Sometimes it's how does he pick up a defense? How does he process information? But it's just, it's just not all about your spin rate and your 40 time, right? And that's the point we're getting to, and that's what makes Dante unique. And as far as where where they are right now, I mean they're they're in a position they're in a good position, and we'll continue we'll continue to to say that until until he makes his decision. I feel mm-hmm. Notre Dame has put themselves in a good position. There's more that needs to be done because he's not committed yet, and sure. you know there's other programs getting in the mix. LSU's trying to make a push. Miami's trying to make a push. You know I think Notre Dame's going to be the one constant. The interesting thing about this conversation is Ryan mm-hmm. is. I, I don't necessarily see a need for a second quarterback right now because I don't think they can afford to bring in a second quarterback simply because Ron Paul is the third is still on scholarship. And right. you start getting into where you're now going to be, you know, Pine, Buckner, Angeli, Palace, and more if, you know, or whoever the 2023 quarterback is, that's mm-hmm. five guys that all have eligibility beyond 2023. And even right. if you lose Pine, you're still at four. And I don't know if, a fifth quarterback is is really the place to go when you have so many other needs and other positions. If for mm-hmm. some reason a quarterback slot opens up, I could see Notre Dame making a late move for a second quarterback as long as it's done the right way, which means you call up Dante Moore and explain to him, you know, what that what that need is. But that second quarterback to me would be more of an Avery Johnson type, mm-hmm. a guy or or a project type of guy. You know, a right. guy like like there's a kid that that's on the board. I think it's like Marcus Stokes. I think is Marcus his last Stokes. name. Yeah. When you look at him and you're like, yeah, this is a kid that's got some things that you can work with, but he's going to need some time. Right. You know, and when you look at a Dante Moore, he's a kid that can show up and be ready to play day one. If he's as good as we as we think he is, he may only be a three year guy. He may sit for a year behind Tyler Buckner, and then Tyler leaves, and Dante takes over, and Dante starts two years and. He's out of here, you know, which is, a, you know, Bryce Young type of thing. And we've seen that from other quarterbacks as well. So and, and there's merit to having a, a projectable kid in this class because, you know, the, the numbers may get there and there may be some transfers or some injuries or things. But right now, I think one, 
one has this has this has to be the the target right now. And I think if you, you could get to a point where a second is needed, but I think that's going to be a down the road thing. And I think it's more of a projectable kid or a, or a player like an Avery Johnson that could play multiple positions potentially. I mean, yeah. there's, there's no reason to think that if Avery Johnson can't stick a quarterback, I mean, he, to me, he's athletic enough to say, Hey, let's go, let's go try out a receiver. Let's throw you some balls. I mean, kids really athletic. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I think it'd be, have to be that kind of guy. Yeah. And I think the one, and I don't know if you agree with this, Brian, but I think that the one thing about Dante Moore is I don't think that he would be overly I don't I don't know what the word is, but I don't think he would be conflicted with if they came to him and said we're gonna take a second quarterback just off of death. Yeah. Like I don't think he would be threatened. Most kids would be fine with that if you explain right. it to him beforehand. Right. You know, and and I especially because you're not gonna land Dante Moore and Arch Manning or Dante Moore and Malachi <laughs> sure. Nelson or I mean, it's right. not going to be that kind of quarterback class. It's going to be like Tua and and Mac Jones in the same mm-hmm. class. I mean, think about that. They had the two first, two top, two top fifteen picks in the same class, right? Well, yep. one was a five star, and the other one was some three star kid. It was just considered sort of a depth piece, right? Well, he ended that depth piece ended up developing, but Mac Jones is always a guy that needed more time. Where Tua mm-hmm. was ever was was more able to kind of step up and and, and help out right away. So. Yep. I think that would be that would be the key there, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And now that leads to, Ryan, the next topic mm-hmm. of conversation, which is sure. wide receiver. <laughs> the wide receiver class is interesting because this is one of those positions in this class where you need numbers and you need depth of impact players. You can't just bring in a bunch of solid you know, decent players with some upside, but you you have to bring in some guys that can come in and help you right away. Because you look at this depth chart, the odds are good that you're going to lose Joe Wilkins. You're going to lose. Uh, you're going to lose. Um, Brayden Lindsay, Avery yeah, Davis, Avery Davis, Joe Wilkins. Yep. You know, if if some of the guys that we like on the team are are what we think they can be, you know, maybe maybe Lorenzo Styles isn't a four year player. Right. I mean, you always have to prepare for that. If a guy is a, an elite player, more often than not, the, like what, what you have to prepare yourself for if you're a Notre Dame fan is as you up your recruiting and mm-hmm. you up your coaching, there's things you have to deal with. We've already talked about it. you have to deal with the fact that teams aren't going to stop recruiting you, your players when you get studs. The other thing is, is you're going to start seeing more Kyle Hamilton's and Kyron Williams, meaning guys that are three year players. That's a good thing as long as those guys are getting drafted high, right? Like it means you're producing impact players. It means they had big time talent, which is going to lead to you getting more players like that. But you have to, you have to recruit a little bit different when, you know, cause like Notre Dame in 2020, their starting receivers were a couple fifth year guys. Ideally you don't want to have two fifth year starting receivers if you're playing in the college football playoff. I mean, it's just not the ideal situation to be in. And, and, and that's kind of where I'm coming from. So, I think this is a class where numbers are important. I think you need mm-hmm. minimum, like three is the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. And I think four is is closer to the target for me in this right. class from a number standpoint, because there's seven guys on the – well, eight guys on the scholarship right now, including Matt Salerno. Mm-hmm. He's also going to be out after this year. So, I mean, going into 2023, as of right now, you're going to have to buy, you're going to have Tobias Merriweather in last year's class. You're going to have Lorenzo Styles. Deion Colsey and and Jaden Thomas. So mm-hmm. unless they move Xavier Watts, which you know I'd all be for right as of right now, they haven't. 
That's mm-hmm. four guys on your your entire roster at wide receiver going into 2023. So, yeah. like to me, even if you move Xavier Watts, you still need at least three because three gets you back to eight, which mm-hmm. we've said. I mean, nine to ten is closer to where you need to be numbers wise at wide receiver. The danger, however, Ryan, is if you bring in too many kids in one class, then you're back to square one a year a year later because you've lost a couple kids to the transfer portal. Right. And that's what makes this a little tricky. So three is the minimum. Four, to me, is the target number. I've thrown that out number out to some people, and they haven't pushed back on it at all. Gotcha. So it sounds like that's kind of – that they would – they would. there's a there's a group of four that I think they see as, yeah, we'd like to get that group, in my yeah. opinion, from a number standpoint. Yep, and, and I think that it's really important, obviously, is, is I mean, like you said, in, in the age of the transfer portal now, like the numbers can, can fluctuate so so quickly, and we already know that we're that Notre Dame is going to lose several key contributors, like you said, like Wilkins and Davis and Brayden Lindsay after the season. So you need to replenish this, this depth chart at wide receiver, and you need to do it with a lot of talent. And you need to also make sure, and it's awesome if you can hit on some wide receivers where – like they can play multiple spots on the offense and they have that type of talent where they're not just a one trick kind of guy, right? Like, like just a strictly a strictly a Z or strictly a slot or whatever. Like it's nice if you have guys that have alignment versatility, right. but also if you, if you can't get those guys, cause there's not a ton of those guys, that's kind of rare to find guys that can fit into, you know, every single wide receiver position potentially, But getting guys that can fit together is a huge Mm -hmm. thing for me, right? Like, we don't want the same type of style. I feel like for a couple years there, we just had skyscrapers outside where it's not a ton of separation. They're winning on the vertical Mm -hmm. third of the field, and that's fine for the role. But we need some quick separators. We need some guys that can, you know, hit some home runs from time to time and create separation that way, some route runners. Like, we need players from Notre Dame that have necessary skill sets, I think, that can really work well together. So that's when, like, when you ask what is the ideal wide receiver board for Notre Dame, I think it's finding four guys that skill sets can maybe be interchangeable to a degree, but also Mm -hmm. make sure that they're not similar enough where they can't play together potentially. Right. That's so important, Ryan. And and it's it's been a as you know, you've you've watched the show from time to time before you came on. That's mm-hmm. been something I've been hammering on for years. I have no problem having Chase Claypool and Miles Boykin on the same roster, but you can't have a roster filled with just those guys and then, oh, let's throw in a Chris Fink, right? Like <laughs> you need a, div- a diversity of skill set. And if you're going to err on the side of too much of one thing, err on yep. the side of really athletic players like Bama has had. They haven't had any big receivers the last couple of years, but they sure. got dudes that can flat out run and can r- and run routes and catch the football and get open. And so there's need, there's a need for more of those type of players. You know, sure. we talked about it last year. I mean, you you went through a, a, a three-year stretch of recruiting to where now when you look at the roster, there's one guy like that on the roster right now. It's Lorenzo Styles In three classes, there's one guy like that. And look, had they not lost receivers at, in the 2022 class, it, the answer still be the same. Because yeah. C.J. Williams, that is not that – he's more of a possession volume kind of guy, not a – not to throw him a ball and let him go do some stuff, you know? And that's what I think they're missing is, is having that unique blend. So if you look at today at irishbreakdown.com, I wrote an article about sort of the must-gets in the offensive class. And I talked about, obviously, Dante Moore was number one. Number two is Carnell Tate. Number three is you need an explosive playmaker, a Rodney Gallagher or a Jalen Brown. I mean, yeah. perfect world, you get two of them, but let's 
Let's be sure. realistic here. <laughs> it's going to be tough enough to get one of them, much less both of them. Right. And then, you know, I, I, I like a, a longer stretch the field type of guy. I did make a caveat in there because Jaden Greathouse doesn't necessarily fit that bill because he's like 6'1 to 6'2, but he's really yeah. long. And mm-hmm. he plays like that kind of guy. Like he plays differently than Cardinal Tate. Sure. Which is so he would fit that same mold, even though he's not the 6'3 to 6'5 guy like a Malik Elzey or a Tyler Williams or a Braylon James, Kyle Casper. Ky- type Ky- of Kyle guy. Casper. Yeah. Right. So yeah. that's why I look at Jaden and I put him in that category because if you ha- theoretically had Cardinal Tate, either Rodney Gallagher or Jalen Brown and Jaden Greathouse in the same class, just, just making a point. You've got three completely different players, oh, absolutely. but also three players that can play multiple spots. Cardinal can play. I think Cardinal can play all three receiver spots. Yeah, I, I think he could be an X because I think he can stretch the field and run routes. I think he's got really good ball skills. He's going to get a lot stronger as he gets to college, which would mm-hmm. allow him to play the the boundary much. I mean, he's a bigger version of Chris Brown in a lot of ways. Chris Brown played the boundary for what many people believe to have been the best Notre Dame team of the last fifteen years. Right, sure. the 2015 team, certainly mm-hmm. one of the best offenses. So you can you can adjust. I mean, he's not going to look a whole lot different than Kevin Austin when it's all said and done, in my opinion. Like size wise, right. like he'll fill. He yeah. may not get to 215, but he'll be 205 when it's all said and done. Mm-hmm. But he can play X, and I think Carnell too could move into the slot and do for Notre Dame what they were recruiting CJ Williams to do, which is third and five. We're putting you in the slot, and we're going to have you win on whoever they line up against you. That kind of thing. So. He can mm-hmm. play all over. Rodney Gallagher can play slot or X. Jalen yep. Brown can play slot or X. And in some instances, Jalen Brown could go play W. I mean, he's bigger than what Devontae Smith was coming out of high school and a very mm-hmm. sim- similar type of athlete to Devontae Smith. And then, of course, you know, Braylon James could play X or W. And then, you know, a guy like a, a Tyler Williams can play X or W. I mean, there's there's all types of different skill sets. Jaden Greathouse could, is more of a W, which would then mm-hmm. put – Cardinal take the X, which is ultimately where I think his best position would even be there, you know, but some kind of combination of those things would be ideal for me. Yeah. And, and there is a, I mean, unlike last year, there's a very different, there's a big gap between what this guy brings to the table and what the other guys bring to the table. When you look at the receiver board, right? Yeah, no, and it, it's it's really interesting because the one thing I wanted to add into to just your thought process is I think a lot of people, if if say Notre Dame did land Coronel Tate and a Jaden Greathouse, for instance, right? Those guys are both you know six foot two with good length, like you're saying, and I think some people would just kind of say stylistically they're probably similar, and they're not. Like mm-hmm. I think that the the key there is that Coronel Tate has that alignment versatility where he can play multiple spots. Jaden is a physical dude who probably projects best to the boundary, right? Like, I mean, in, in an ideal world. Who? But you're um, a great house. Yes, yes. Yes. Yep. I thought you said so, Jalen for a second. I was like, Wait, no, no, Brown? not Jalen Brown. No, 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 no. Not putting that speed out there. No, no, yeah. no. <laughs> Jaden Greathouse. We're going to throw it to the boundary. Oh, yeah. Carnell Tate could play multiple spots over the over the over the, all over the place. Jalen Brown's that speedster down in Miami. That is a I mean, talk about taking the top of the defense. 10, 600 meter guy. He is dynamic. And he's also six foot one. So he's not a six foot, mm-hmm. six foot one. He's not a small kid either. Rodney Gallagher, high school quarterback for his team out in Pennsylvania. And he is a 
cat quick, physical, after catch type of wide receiver. That's what he projects to at the next level because you see him run the football now for his high school, and he is breaking tackles left and right. He has great spatial awareness. Tyler Williams, like you said, has length. Braylon James, yes, yeah. very smooth, Tyler Williams. Braylon James, I, I think of more of a springy athlete. He's got that 6'3". Yeah. Kyle Casper is just a skyscraper, six yeah. foot five. Long arms, win above the rim. So there is all different body types. There's all different styles, which I think makes it really exciting. And there's going to be an ideal class again where I'm like, you know, in the perfect world for Notre Dame, these four guys are the ones. But there is options here. And we didn't even mention Ronan Hannafin, who who Notre Dame is very high on as a potential boundary wide receiver. Think of a – you're right, yeah. defensive guy, right. Yeah, or a defensive right. guy. But think about like an Alec Pierce again from Cincinnati. That's what stylistically what he looks like at six foot three, two oh five with plus speed. So there's a lot of options and there's a lot of names. And I think it's exciting. And I know some people are scared of it, right? Because right now Notre Dame only has two offensive recruits in the 2023 class. And it's oh my God, can we catch up here? But I think it's exciting for the yeah. fact that for a sense to be adverse here in a second. Right, a, a, a new coaching staff, pretty much on the offensive side of the football, outside of Tommy Reese. Right? right, you're bringing in new guys, new perspectives, and it's almost like a clean slate. Let's see how this is built. I think it's kind of exciting, really, when you think right. about it. And the board's going to expand. I mean, there's going to there's going to be kids they're able to invite and get on campus this summer, and you know, there's going to be kids that, especially if they kind of go out in the fall, there usually tends to be a lot of uncommitted receivers during the season. I mean, that's just you know where maybe you're not in on a kid. And all sure. of a sudden you got there and you start throwing the ball like we think they're going to throw the ball this year. And all of a sudden, bam, things change. And now all of a sudden, maybe a Braylon James sees that and Notre Dame's throwing for 280 to 300 yards a game. And and he's now, oh, you know what? Hey, maybe I should go make a visit to Notre Dame, right? We, we see that sure. kind of thing all the time. Braylon James is an interesting kid because he reminds – him and Tyler Williams to me, especially, but especially Braylon James, you talk about springy. Yeah. He reminds me of the movement that started like 15, 20 years ago where – high school football coaches just started recruiting you know you're not supposed to recruit players from other teams basketball you know players. so they just started recruiting <laughs> basketball players right or high high and, jumpers and, exactly yeah. and you go find that six three guard you know yeah. that maybe doesn't have a handle or can't shoot but he's real springy <laughs> and you say hey, man come out and play football right and mm-hmm. then that kind of started in a movement where now these kids maybe you know basketball is not in my future but i can go play football and 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 do something, and I think that that's that's to me is what like Braylon James is that kind of guy. I love kids like that. Like I love yeah. that's what I loved about Chase Claypool. I mean, Chase Claypool was a better basketball player in high school than he was a football player. The kid scored forty points a game as a senior in basketball. He was, he was a super nuts. raw football player, but he was super big and super long and super springy. And and I think that's kind of the you know what I, what I like about about Braylon James. And now the interesting thing about him is he's a guy that and same with Jaden Greathouse. Those are two guys from Texas that 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 Chancey Stuckey has actually been recruiting longer than anybody else on the Notre Dame board because right. he was recruiting them at Baylor. Well, I was going to say Great House. His first offer was from Baylor, and Coach Stuckey was not on the staff when that offer went out because that was all the way back in 2020. Like they were on uh, Great House early for Baylor, but like you said, two guys that were on the Baylor board that Coach Stuckey has right. relationships with. I, when I talked to Jaden, he told me like I have a great relationship with Coach Stuckey. We don't even talk much about football. We talk mm-hmm. about you know just everyday life and, and you know what's going on in each other's worlds and stuff. So it's a great point. And Baylor just specifically has 
had that relationship with him for a long time because he was the first right. offer for Jane and Coach right. Stuckey just kind of went in and said, yep, that's a great football player. And the contacts have continued since he's gone right. to Notre Dame. Right. So I think I think a three minimum, I think you can get to four. Mm-hmm. Four could potentially be a Ronan Hannafin who could play another position. It could be a you know, it could be a slot guy that maybe could play some running back. I mean, it could be a bigger bodied guy that maybe they discover down the road that maybe could grow into a tight end at some point in time. I mean, so, or it could just be a receiver. I mean, there's all types of things you can do with that. When you bring in four receivers in a class, mm-hmm. it is kind of nice if one of them maybe has a chance instead of, hey, you're the fourth guy. Sorry. If For one sure. of those guys does have some potential to play somewhere else, if mm-hmm. that opportunity doesn't arise. So, uh, who that would be, I don't know. And we didn't even mention like Rico Flores. I mean, I'm looking at our list. Of some guys. We didn't even mention Rico Flores, who's talked about visiting this this uh, spring and summer. He's a really good football, top 100 caliber football player. You know, we mm-hmm. didn't talk about Noah Rogers from North Carolina, who Notre Dame is talking to, but not quite pushing for yet. Caden Lee, yep. who there's a chance that they offer him at some point in time. I mean, there's there's some there's some guys on the board. Malik Elsey, we didn't even mention him. Like, there's a lot of receivers on the board. The key now, however, is they're going to have to close. Mm-hmm. And and when you when you have a bigger class, it can make it a little easier to close because you don't have to you don't have to prioritize quite as much. You know, when you're only bringing in two guys, there's like, OK, we we can't take that second guy because we got to really make sure we're waiting on such and such. You know, like right. if they're only able to bring in two receivers and let's say you get a Braylon James or a Rodney Gallagher, you you can't then all of a sudden take Jaden Greathouse because you're waiting on Cardinal Tate. Sure. You know, I mean, that's just because you're not going to take him knowing you can't get Cardinal Tate. Now, however, because you're three to four, you can get those guys and still keep saying, hey, Cardinal, dude, you have a spot no matter what. Right. Like we told you, we're going to bring in at least three receivers. We need, you know, that kind of thing. And so I I think that Mm -hmm. that's something that adds to this as well. Yeah, I think that that gives you options, right? Because it's mm-hmm. a bigger class. I think, I mean, the class in general, like you're saying, mm-hmm. you know, 25 plus, there's going to be options on the board. And then if Notre Dame is, you know, happy with where the wide receiver recruiting is and they do land a Ronan Hannafin again, his position flexibility also gives you mm-hmm. options. I think giving right. yourself, and, I, and I've always been a big fan of uh, put great athletes on the team and let the coaches figure out yes, how to use them. Like that's, Xavier Watts. Right, yes, you recruited exactly. as CJ Prosize. You recruit him as a safety. He ends up moving and starting in one year at receiver. Then ends right. up moving another year, and he's a thousand yard running back. Right, I mean, uh, an NFL running back. Right, Matthias <laughs> Farley starts his career as a wide receiver at Notre Dame. James Onwalu starts his career as a wide receiver at Notre Dame. Kavari Russell's recruited to play running back. All three mm-hmm. of those guys eventually move and become starters on defense. And yep. you know, like I said, that's why that's why you recruit football players, especially to place like Notre Dame, where you can't just kick kids out because you know you're on a one-year scholarship deal and we got a chance to out-recruit you. So we're going to take your scholarship away. You know, Notre yeah. Dame is going to have a lot more roster continuity than a lot of other teams in most instances, because most kids are going to be smart enough to stay to get their degree. They're not going to leave after their freshman year. Most kids aren't Jordan Johnson. Most kids are at least going to stay to get their degree. Most, yep. not all, most. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, that's, that's kind of where you, you, you put it is this position is you could get to five receivers. If one of those guys is wrong, like, and what I mean by that is like, let's say they get just hypothetically, they get a Gallagher, they get mm-hmm. Braylon James. Um, they get, I mean, just a, another good player, Rico Flores. And then, you know, they, they, they Ronan Hannafin wants, you know, wants to come and you're, you're looking at him as a receiver. Let's say you take yeah. him. That doesn't mean you can't still bring in, Braylon James or Carnell Tate or one of those other guys is the fifth guy because then you can have that conversation with Ronan like okay the board's falling this way right. we're gonna start you over here 
right? And, or if he mm-hmm. wants to get a shot at receiver, you can still give him a shot at receiver, but then knowing that he can go somewhere else. So there's just a lot of different things um, that you look at and say, uh, well, there's a, it gives them a lot of flexibility in this class. And th- again, there's going to be more kids that get offers in 2023 and it, it's, it's going to make it exciting, but to kind of circle back, that's why Dante Moore's so important. Of it's going to be a lot easier to land some of those kids. I mean, Jalen Brown was talking about Dante Moore to Brian Smith in, in, in a conversation one time. It's from Miami, and he's talking about some cat from Detroit. You know what I mean? Like, kids know who the studs are at quarterback, and they want to play with those guys because they know, I don't care how good I am, if I don't have a guy that can throw me the ball, mm-hmm. you know, and, and Dante is considered one of the best. So you get him, and this is why I keep saying, he is the Pied Piper in this class. You get him, and then all of a sudden, it's it's, it's going to be easier for for Cardinalte. You know, somebody asked, you know, how legitimate is a threat is, is Tennessee? I think there's a lot of teams that are a threat for Cardinalte, and maybe even some that are on the board now. If Alabama all of a sudden jumps on the board and and puts a full court press on Cardinalte, they're going to be hard to beat for him. I mean, that's just Carnell is open. I mean, he is open to going anywhere. That's why he went to IMG. He yeah. didn't go to IMG so he could make Notre Dame like him more and Ohio State <laughs> right. like him more. They already liked him. He may, he went to make himself a better player and to become a national recruit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so so Notre Dame's going to have to show him that, hey, this is this is where you want to be. And and a big part of that's going to be the quarterback position. And that, that even it makes even Dante more, more even more impressive. Now, let's talk about something, Ryan, mm-hmm. that I think could then maybe make Dante more, more attracted to playing at Notre Dame. Okay. And that is the offensive line. Because... <laughs> Great receivers want to play with great quarterbacks, and great quarterbacks certainly want to have great pass catchers around it. But you know what? Quarterbacks love an elite offensive line. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that's um, that's certainly where where you want to be uh, if yeah. you're Notre Dame. And that's a place, um, you know, that's a place to, uh, to say that's where you can confidently say, you know, this is a place where I think Notre Dame could maybe – do some damage over the next couple months, get a couple kids in the class and then yeah. say to Dante, like, Hey man, you know, look what we're building in front of you. Look at our last two line classes, right? Look at mm-hmm. what we're doing now. You know, we need you to get the pass catchers. We're, we're building the front for you. We're putting the backs together for you. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to have some dudes uh, that, that can play. And, um, but, but this is, this is where it starts up here. And there yeah. is a, some really good players on the board for Notre well, Dame. And let me just say one thing. They mm-hmm. don't have a high need of numbers. Right. I think three's the minimum. Barring Now, this all these numbers we give you changes depending on if they add transfers or lose kids. Mm-hmm. So they have 16 offensive linemen on the roster, and only two of them are out of eligibility after 2022. Right. Okay? So – I think that's that's the thing to look at is right now you can get away with three. You've you signed back to back five man class, you can get away with three, four is the ideal. Yep. When it's that of a smaller number, Ryan, it allows you to and we've already seen Harry Heestand. Harry Heestand's already doing what Harry Heestand does. I, mm-hmm. I'm gonna identify those five dudes and I'm gonna go try to get all of them. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? And that's kind of what he's doing. And and there's three dudes at the top of the board, and I'm gonna have you talk about all of them. There's three guys that clearly flat out, no question about it. These are the top of the board guys for Notre Dame. It's mm-hmm. Samson Okunlola from Massachusetts, Thayer mm-hmm. Academy, 
It's Monroe mm-hmm. Freeling from South Carolina, and it's Charles Jagasa from Illinois. Sure. Those three yep. guys are the those are the guys that when Harry got here was like, I want him, I want him, and I want him. And he went out and saw him immediately. Yep. And it's kind of like, okay, this is what Harry does, right? Like you know right away these are the names on the board. You don't have to worry about calling 25 offensive linemen. Harry's gonna get the guys he wants and he's gonna go get them. Now the key is he's got to prove he can still go get them. Sure. That that's the next step, Ryan. Yep. Yeah. And and I'm actually working on a piece where I'm going to talk a little bit about offensive line recruiting for Notre Dame and how this class could potentially fit. And it's a great segue because those are three of the first guys that I talk about in the article. And we're talking about Samson Okanlola, who again, first five-star recruit according to 24-7 Sports in their history from the state of Massachusetts, which I just had an article on Irish Breakdown a few days ago, talked about how Massachusetts has become a big spot for Notre Dame in the 2023 class. And Samson, for me, like this is the Ronnie Stanley, right? Like this is a kid mm-hmm. where, because uh, I know Ronnie started at right tackle early on in his career, then he moved over to left tackle. Is there a left ta- Is there anyone other than Zach Martin that didn't start at right tackle? Right, in exactly. Career? It's that transition, man. Like the Mike McGlinchey, right. the right tackle, the left. Like it, it's just how it goes, you know. And, and I think did that. Ronnie right. did that. I mean, mm-hmm. and that, that's why it's so. Ex- that's that's why it's so exciting under Coach Eastan because again, he's always. I'll get the best five on the field, right? Mm -hmm. High school offensive tackles, I'll make them fit. I'll find who can play inside a guard. I'll find a a guy that can play inside and center, and we are going to get the best five on the field. And this, for me, Samson Okalola is where it starts and ends for Notre Dame as far as the top guy on the board. I think he could play four different positions on the offensive line, but, like, he's a blindside protector, right? Like, in the Mm -hmm. the ideal world, he is your left tackle. He is the stud. He can play right tackle. That's fine. (laughs) He is – What's that? He, I'm just laughing because, like, I'm I'm agreeing with everything you're saying, but I'm, in my head, I'm yeah. thinking, yeah, that's true. But he could, it, he's a lot, he's he's a lot <laughs> like Blake Fisher. Like, what yeah. people often miss when we have this Blake Fisher conversation is when I talk about mm-hmm. moving Blake Fisher to guard, it's not that I don't think he can be an elite left tackle. I think he can be. I think yeah. Blake Fisher can be elite anything along the offensive line except maybe center because he's just so long. Like, right? you don't necessarily right. want a six six guy with really long arms playing center. You and I have talked about that a little bit. But like, yeah. I think Blake Fisher can be a stud at four positions on the offensive line. I think right. I think I think this is how he is as well. I think mm-hmm. I think that 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 Samson Okanlola and to a degree Charles Jagasa to me project as if if you got like if if he comes in and he's one of your five best as a freshman, he's not going mm-hmm. he's going he's not going to move Joe Walt and Blake Fisher off the field. Right. He he may exactly. move somebody a guard off the field though. And then eventually move him out like a Barrett Jones, right? Like mm-hmm. that to me is how I see it is like yeah, I'm so I that's why I was laughing. It's just like you say he's an elite left tackle, he's a prototype left tackle. I'm like, yeah, you're right. But <laughs> but <laughs> we got a couple good ones already. <laughs> no, in that too, yeah. but also like, yeah, this kid could be a stud anywhere. Sure. And, and and that's the kind of guy you want, Ryan, is that guy that's like, uh, what's his best position? Offensive line. No, 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 like what position on the Anywhere I, 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 said, I said what I said, <laughs> right? You know what I mean, like. I, and I mean, so from a, a physical perspective, right? Like this kid is a, a junior in high school, so coming into a senior year. That is six foot six, two hundred ninety five pounds. Apparently, has a seven foot one inch wingspan. He's got vines for arms. He's got a body where. I mean, he can handle 320 plus pretty easily, right? Mm-hmm. Like he can work, he can, he has a power profile. He's a really good athlete. So Brian's right. He could play literally four different positions on the yeah. offensive line. He could probably play center in a pinch, but you know, again, you don't want that length. Super, at center. Yeah. So yeah, you, like, you just don't want yeah, it. Yeah. But if you I mean, had I, to you'd right. move another guard to center. I mean, that that's sure. like, like if, you know, that's just kind of how you'd move Rocco to center or Shroud to center. 
and put yeah. him at guard. But your mm-hmm. point is, I don't want to take away from your original point, Ryan, but when you yeah. talk about what the prototype left tackle is, it's 6'6", it's long, it's really, really powerful hands, and it's really athletic. And Bendy, and he's got all those traits. I mean, that, so to your point, you're, 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 mm-hmm. I, I took away from your point a little bit just because I thought it was just kind of funny, but yeah. your point is spot on. Like when you design a prototype left tackle, mm-hmm. that's what it is. But then you go to Monroe Freeling and you say the exact same thing about him. And that's what Harry Heesan has always done. It's like he's just going to recruit the best tackles he can get and then figure out how to put a five-man group together because it's a whole lot easier to put mm-hmm. to move from outside in than it is to move a guy from inside out when we talk about Absolutely. a skill set. Not not yeah. moving a guard to tackle if the ta- guard has the tackle. Uh, you know, It's more of taking a guy who is a – who is a guard as mm-hmm. he's playing guard, but he's more, we're talking more like the guard body type. It's harder mm-hmm. to take that kind of guy and move him to tackle than it is to take a tackle and move him to guard. And, sure. you know, Monroe Freeling is again, he's a, he is a pure long athletic bendy. I mean, you and I were watching some basketball film <laughs> him the other day and he yeah. goes up and dunks. Well, it's like, okay, he's six, seven. He should be able to dunk, but it wasn't like your six, seven offensive lineman dunk where he's just kind of tall. I mean, he went up and put some, I mean, he put yeah. something on it. Like he, he turned and like caught it and immediately jumped. And it was like, that's an athletic move. That's not just a dude who's six, seven being able to dunk. Well, and, yeah. And like you said, light on your feet, right? Like you could tell the guys that are explosive and Monroe Freeling is explosive. And if you told me, honestly, if Notre Dame was able to land Samson, Okalola and Monroe Freeling, if you told me Monroe Freeling was long-term the left tackle, I believe you, man. Because sure. I think, I think that he has maybe the highest upside as a pass protector. This kid is incredibly yeah, light on his feet. Yeah. Yep. As a pure pass protector, light on his feet, has length. You see, I mean, again, go watch his basketball highlights. The kid is springy, man. Like he's got, he is a good athlete. So that starts there at the offensive tackle position. And then you talk about Charles Jagasaw, who, in my opinion, could play tackle, but also. I think he's a right tackle guard. Yes, exactly. Right. 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 And he's a massive dude. He is 6'6". 300 plus, and he could be, I mean, he could literally be yeah. like Trey Smith size, right? Like he yeah. could be 330. He is a big, yeah. and just he's about to, massive everywhere. He's a wrestler. Yeah. And actually, him and Okanola are both wrestlers. Okanola just won a wrestling tournament this weekend, but Jagasaw mm-hmm. is trying to become a state champion in Illinois. Well, you know, Illinois, Iowa, that, that region, Wisconsin, that's a region, some really good wrestlers, right? Sure. Uh, he is a really good wrestler, and Iowa's trying to use that to their – I mean, Iowa's trying to get the wrestling coach to recruit him, which tells you about that. But it also yeah. talks to you a lot, a little bit about his demeanor. Yeah. And 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 he has – like, to me, I think he's got the length and athleticism of a tackle, but my question – not a concern, my question, and sometimes questions can be positive, mm-hmm. is is he too physical and too aggressive to be a tackle? That's it's a possible. positive. That was Quentin Nelson's problem. Quentin Nelson doesn't lack the athleticism or length to play tackle. Quentin Nelson lacked the demeanor to play tackle because you have to have some patience to you as a tackle. Right. And, you know, you, you compared uh, Samson Okanola to Ronnie Stanley. I actually think Monroe Freeling is the better comparison to Ronnie Stanley. And the reason I say that is because Ronnie, I guess I don't watch NFL, but I guess he became a really good run blocker in the NFL. He was not a great run blocker. He wasn't bad. He just wasn't dominant. I think right. I think to me, Samson Okanola to me is more of like a an athletic version of McGlinchey more than he is like a bigger, thicker, athletic version of McGlinchey because he's not mm-hmm. only 
a better, and I don't even think that's even a fair comparison because I don't think McGlinchey was ever a great pass blocker. I think Samson can be a really good pass blocker, but what I love yeah. about him is he has elite run game potential as well. Sure. And to me, that's what truly separates the great ones from the really good ones is you can do both at a high level. Monroe Freeling is a good run blocker, but mm-hmm. an elite potential pass blocker, which reminds me a lot of Ronnie. And he's sure. also a basketball player where, where Samson is more of like a, you know, I'm trying to think like, you know, who might even be a better cop for him would be a, a more, a longer, more athletic version of Liam Eikenberg. I think his might okay. be a little bit better comp just because Liam was a really good all around player as well. Samson's even more is even stronger than Liam was at the same age. And, but, but, and, and Samson now looks a lot like what Liam looked like as a senior in college size wise, but the game is similar there. Uh, but I do, I love, cause you, you talk about Ronnie Stanley, a guy that, and I get the, I get the, I think body type wise, Samson mm-hmm. looks a lot like Ronnie. Sure. Like, so I get like, like six, six, like broad shoulders, long mm-hmm. arms, you know, body type wise, he looks like if they were standing next to each other, Ronnie and Samson would look a lot of type, a lot of light from a dimension standpoint. But sure. when I look at the game, Monroe's game just screams Ronnie Stanley to me. And, and, um, you know, maybe it's the basketball thing. <laughs> maybe that's it. But the point is, is these guys are really good. And yes. that's the three man group. You have to, you like, you hate to say you have to do it, but like, you've got to get at least two of those guys have to. Mm-hmm. And if you can hit, you know, the inside straight on that three trio, that's, that's kind of where you start saying you're going to build something. I mean, as good as last year's class was, this class could end up being even better if if they're able to get those three guys. And if you're going to only get two of them, I think you need Oak and Lola and one of the other two to truly have an elite class. Sure. Otherwise, it's going to look a lot like last year's. We had, we had really good players, but I don't know if none were like elite five-star type of players mm-hmm. right now. Like Billy Shrouth, I gave a five-star upside grade to. I mean, Wagner, I gave a five-star upside grade to. But those are guys that are going to need time to get there. Sure. Oakland Lowell is that kind of guy that if you need a dude to come in and play day one, Jagasol mm-hmm. is that kind of guy. Physically, they can come in and play the day they step foot on campus. Now, technique-wise and assignment-wise and all that, they may need time. But those are guys that can come in day one and say, hey, if we have to throw that kid out there physically, he's going to be fine You know, yeah. for a freshman. And I think those guys that can play multiple positions are really – fun to think about because Notre Dame in the near future, you know, at least over the next couple of years, you're going to have Joel, you're going to have Blake Fisher potentially at a tackle. So there's going to be potential opportunity to fight for jobs inside, right? Unless Blake eventually does make the move inside speaking. So having those guys that have some positional flexibility, I think is huge. And Jagasaw, for me, Jagasaw just tight space type of guy. Like I think that he could play out in space a little bit, but his best work I think is just going forward and dominating people at the point of attack. So he just kind of screams guard to me. And then there's, you know, other guys on the board, but like those are the three. Right. I, there's other good fan. players on the board, right? For I mean, sure. Like yeah. I know you love Solomon Sullivan Absher a lot. I do. Right? I you do watch like him more than I have. So, you know, we both like Chase Basantis. I mean, he's a top 100 to 150 caliber guy. I mean, Austin Saravel's a, you know, he's a, he's, he's solid. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a kid in state, Trevor Lauk in most years would have an offer by now, mm-hmm. in my opinion. He's a 6'6", 295, 300 pound kid that projects inside the guard for me, big physical mauler type of kid, four-star caliber player that right now Notre Dame hasn't offered yet because of where they are with some other guys. So 
it's not a big board, but it's a talented board that goes beyond those three guys as far as top-level talent. But I, we are both of the view that they are just in a little bit of a different stratosphere than some of those other guys. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and you mentioned him. Sullivan Absher is a guy that I really like a ton out of North Carolina. I think he plays a great pad level, and he's got some physicality to him to potentially work both right tackle inside to guard. Chase Basantes is a tough dude out of New Jersey over Don Bosco prep. I would like to – I think we should put it out there, Brian, because I, I saw saw someone at some point say something about um, Proctor, Caden Proctor. I just want to maybe just make a quick note. Caden Proctor does not uh, – Notre Dame is not pushing for him right now. Um, he is not a, a fit potentially for them as it currently stands. So right. he is not a guy that is – should be considered, you know, a big push in Notre Dame's class. And right. from the sounds of it, maybe – I don't know if you want to put more context, but it sounds like Luke Montgomery is also – He's out as well, well. yeah. I think yeah. that's sort of a mutual decision – uh, we put this on – see, if you were a member of the message board, you would have got this a couple days ago. Right. Caden uh, <laughs> Proctor is a kid that uh, that Notre Dame really likes as a player, and he's a good young man. It's just it's just not going to fit. I mean, you all know where I'm going with this one, right? Uh, Luke Montgomery, it sounds like. Notre Dame really liked him as a defensive player. They said, mm-hmm. hey, look, we'll recruit you wherever you want to play. I think once Elston left and they really started evaluating him as an offensive lineman – I think when Harry Heastan came in, it, I don't think there was that same love for him as an offensive lineman as it was as a defensive lineman. And I think that since other schools had kind of been recruiting, so I think that's one of those ones that's mutually, it's sort of like mm-hmm. a mutual separation. I, I think yeah. that Luke was going to look at the schools that wanted him longer term as an offensive lineman. Notre Dame was kind of, you know, looking for guys that were just a little bit, you know, had a, because Luke doesn't have a great frame. Like, he doesn't have a great frame. He's a, like, that's why I always felt he was a better defensive lineman. I think he has more of a D end, a big end D tackle frame mm-hmm. than a, a guy that's going to be 300 pounds. Plus, then his coach starts talking about he's more of a guard. That's normally not what, that's not what Coach Eastan goes for. He he has. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's recruited interior guys. Sam Mustafer was a pure interior guy, Tristan Hodge, but usually he wants those other types of players. So I think he is not. He is not on Notre Dame's radar. He's going to be committing soon, Luke Montgomery, and yeah. Notre Dame is not is no longer in the mix with him uh, mm-hmm. on on either side of that. So those two guys are off the board, Ryan. I would say right now, I think the guy they have the and, and especially after I had a conversation with Sean Davis this weekend, who's talked to Charles. I think the guy that they have the best chance of getting first, if they're going to get one of those big three, would be Jagasaw. I, I don't think he necessarily cares much about the recruiting process. He's a really – he's the – when you talk about Notre Dame fit, he's sort of the, the the Notre Dame lineman that we've seen in the past where he's like, I don't really care about the recruiting process. I want to find the place I want to go and go and then focus on my team and my school and all that other kind of stuff. I don't right. think he really cares about taking all five officials and all that kind of – at least, at least not right now. So mm-hmm. talking to Sean, there's a feeling that that one may get done – sooner and that's not a given he's going to pick Notre Dame but right now we both feel really good about where Notre Dame stands with him like anytime Iowa gets involved with a Western Illinois kid you get a little bit nervous especially when he's a wrestler but I think right now Notre Dame's put themselves in good position and and look Ryan you've talked to a lot of these kids Sean has too the hiring of Harry Heastan was a, a a needle mover for a lot of kids a lot of kids just by reputation alone yep yeah. Now, and and I mean, when I talked to Samson, 
he uh, coach he said had obviously been there very early to see him as soon as he was you know announced back to Notre Dame he went out to see Monroe Freeling at his high school play play high school basketball and just so for people and I know we just talked about you know Jagasaw's timeline might be a little sooner for a commit potential commitment I would say just so that we're aware of the you know because I guess there's an assumed big three in this class thinking about Freeling Jagasaw and uh, Samson Okalola Okalola is going to take the time into the season to he wants to take at least three visits during the season to schools so that's kind of his timeline he's more of a you know end of senior season type of player right and for now right for for now now, right unless it escalates obviously and he finds obviously the right fit but for now Mm -hmm. that's what he's kind of been telling everybody Monroe Freeling on the other hand is a is a young man that is that has told me that he wants to commit before his senior season so he's more of an end of summer type type of commit so Mm -hmm. just so we kind of understand what the timelines are looking like for the big three potentially right and and that's kind of okay right it it gives you a chance to kind of you know, to work through some boards because here's here's the thing about it about that. So if Samson's not in a hurry to commit, then what you do right now is you work on just building that relationship, knowing you have some time before he really starts getting in decision making mode. So you're able to kind of go through a thing of just of just relationship building. You know, Reese talks to him, Freeman talks to him, he stand talks to him. But then if you get a feeling like like Freeling, like you know, you feel like he may be a sooner decider, right? It is that's what you said, correct? You about freedom. I make sure I remember. Yep. I say correctly yep. what you said. Yep. You so I would at, say end of summer for Freeling, end of senior year potentially right, right now for. So yep. I think Jagas is a kid that could be maybe even done in the early spring, like late winter, early spring. Freeling is you know like you said talking more summer, late spring, summer, and and uh, Okanola is more down the road. That allows you to prioritize your sort of your recruiting strategy. Hey, right now, Coach Reese and Coach Freeman, I need you guys to help me finish with Charles Jagasa. Once we get him in the class, then we're going to turn and set our sights on Monroe Freeling. And then once we get him in the class, then we turn our sights on Basantis or Sullivan Absher. They may already have one of those guys in the class, right? It's your number three guy. But then we yeah. turn our sights on on Samson Okanola. And mm-hmm. I think that actually kind of plays well. Where if you have three guys are going to kind of commit in a soon timeline, it can mm-hmm. be a little harder to kind of split up your spacing your, out. Yeah, yeah, your timing of hey, making sure each kid is getting enough of the love to make sure that when he commits, it's committing to you. So I think that's going to play out pretty nicely. And then you never know. I mean, Samson may speed up his timeline. I mean, Tobias Merriweather was originally talking about not committing until January of a senior after senior year, the All Star Games. He sped up because after he did summer visits, it was like okay. I don't need to keep playing this game. I know where I want to be. And you never know, but you play, you, you go through the process now working on their timeline. And if he's a late season guy, then right now you don't need to, you don't need to push for him about committing. You it's not about, you may not even talk a lot about football right now with Samson since he's not in decision-making mode. And, and those are, those things benefit you in my opinion, because honestly, if Samson was going to make a decision now, I don't think the pick would be Notre Dame. I no. think I think it'd be more it'd be a Georgia, it'd be a Bama and Ohio State. I think it'd be more of one of those teams than it would be Notre Dame. Notre Dame got on him a little bit later than some other schools. He I've been told by some people in the area that he kind of grew up a Georgia fan. So mm-hmm. although if I were to pick right now, I would say Freeling to Notre Dame. Do you agree with that? Yes. Yeah. I would say Charles Jagasa to Notre Dame. Fair. Those would yep. be the two. And and I would say I'd I'd feel somewhat confident from talking to you and talking to some other sources 
that I could see Sullivan Absher picking Notre Dame this mm-hmm. spring. You know, uh, if I had to pick right now, I would not pick uh, Notre Dame for Samson Okamola. That's going to be one they're going to have to come from behind on. So the fact that he is a down-the-road guy benefits Notre Dame because I don't think he'd pick them right now. You know, like if you're the leader for a guy, you want him to decide now. (laughs) You know what I mean? But when you're not the leader for a guy, and in this instance they're not the leader for him, they're in the lead group. But like I said, if he picked today and he's not going to, I don't think the pick would be Notre Dame. Personally, I think it would be Ohio State or Georgia would be my the two I would say or the two two that concern me the most when it comes to – to, and once Bama hires an O-line coach and gets him settled in, you know, they're going to become a player as well. That's that's just my two cents on that, Ryan. Yeah. So thoughts no, on no, that? No, I would just say that there's some recruits where the longer it takes, the better you feel oh. about it, right? Because it's, it, yep. again, getting on campus, because he was a young man, Samson speaking, that has not been on campus either yet, right? So mm-hmm. that could be a game changer too. Yep. So I agree completely. When they start to, when these players start to see the schools that they're potentially committing to, that's when we're really going to get a real clear designation. Today, not looking great, but again, longer it plays out, the better you kind of feel for Notre Dame's chances on them. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So let's move on to some other positions, Ryan. And a couple that won't take us nearly as long to talk about. And that's running back first, then we'll go to tight end. At running back, Notre Dame has Cedric Irvin. Look, they're definitely going to make a push for Justice Haynes. And if they could get Justin Haynes, they're going to take a second running back in this class. Second Mm -hmm. running back, however, is not a need in this class. I think what we can expect to see from Notre Dame is push hard for Justice Haynes. I don't see them taking Caden Feig in it. When it when it when push comes to shove, and it comes down to decision making time, do we have a spot for this kid or not? I don't know if Notre Dame will make that push to get him in the class. I I don't think either side of the ball loves him enough, like a Ronan Hannafin, to say we got to we got to bring that kid in. That could change with some some things, but right now I think that's kind of where they are on, on both sides of the ball. So I don't see him as being that second running back. I don't know if they're going to necessarily have a shot with or or go full court press on Jaden Lamar, uh, either one of those. I think what you'll see is if you can get Justice Haynes, get Justice Haynes. Other than that, it's let's monitor how our current roster goes. Let's try to keep all those kids happy on the stat on the team, because then you don't need a second running back. Then if you do lose a guy, somebody gets injured, somebody transfers then you can look for the transfer portal or look to add a second back down the road. Because running back is one of those positions where every year there's three or four kids that just kind of come out of nowhere that you're like, oh, wow, that kid's really good. Let's go Let's go get that kid. And and uh, to me, that's 
that's what the, the plan as of right now. So I think they're happy with Cedric Irvin. If they can get someone better, like a not better, um, so you know, a different, a more explosive back, a big time back, like a like a, a Justice Haynes, I think they'll go for him. But other than that, I think it's going to be more of a wait and see approach. Maybe hit the transfer portal if the right guy jumps in the portal uh, for that for that depth need. If that need arises. So that's my thoughts on running back, Ryan. Do you have anybody yeah. that you think if it, that, that, that I may be missing on that they actually do have a chance. They may make a push a uh, running back that I missed. Now. I, and I know we're going to talk about tight end, but I kind of feel the same way about running back that I do about tight end. Yeah. Right. It's like, if there's a guy out there that you love, like a justice Haynes, for instance, right. like you're going to take him, but I don't think that they're going to, I don't think that they're going to panic to get a second guy in the class unless they really love him. You mentioned Caden right. Fegan. You know I like Jane Lamar, but I, I, mm-hmm. I would agree with you. Right now I think that they are going to shoot their shot with a guy like a Justice Haynes, and I think that they would be content and they would be good with. You know, if it's yeah. just Cedric Irvin Jr., they'll be fine with it. They wouldn't panic. They wouldn't feel like there's a – they wouldn't feel like they missed if they didn't get yeah. a second running back. I'm, I'm told they like him a lot, and they think he is going to be a, a much better player than people think he is right now. Just okay. because just the opportunity that we talked about, we did the film session. They sure. think that when he gets, I've, I've, or at least I know some people in Notre Dame that feel that when he gets to a place where he's out allowed to be like that every down guy, that his game's going to kind of take off. And that's what they saw about him. So mm-hmm. now we'll see if Dylan McCullough feels the same way. I believe he does from what I'm told so far, but you know, obviously as he gets more into more film, that's a position where the board could change. Things could change quite a bit as Dylan McCullough gets in the, in the process. And so if sure. it does, we'll discuss it. As you said, tight ends, the same deal. The yep. thing is they would definitely, you know, the, I think they missed the boat when they got Cooper Flanagan, they kind of John McNulty kind of stopped recruiting Deuce Robinson and Jackson Howard, which I think Shut is, is, is a mistake. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. They were too good in my opinion, not to keep recruiting. Mm-hmm. But now that that kind of ship has sort of sailed, it's going to be hard for Jared Parker to get back in the mix with them. If yep. they can get that kind of tight end, I think they'll take a second tight end. Other than that, is sort of monitoring the board. I think that th- there was some talk, for, according to sources, of potentially bringing George Takis back for a sixth year in 2023 mm-hmm. and letting mm-hmm. him be the guy, which would have gave them six tight ends and they'd have been perfectly fine, right? Six to seven tight ends. Well, now you're in a position where six is the ideal number. With Cooper mm-hmm. Flanagan, you're at six because Mayer leaves, right? You're still yep. going to have Kevin Bauman. You're going to have Mitchell mm-hmm. Evans. You're going to have Kane Barong. You're going to have Eli Raritan. You're going to have Holden Stace, and then you're going to have Cooper Flanagan. But yep. if somebody gets hurt again, if Kevin Bauman has another injury, if he transfers, if Mitchell or Kane get hurt again or they transfer, one of the freshmen get hurt again, they transfer. Like any of those kids gets hurt, meaning permanent hurt, like they're just, okay, they're not, they're not going to play anymore. Or they transfer now. Notre Dame's getting lower below the number their target number, so that's Mm -hmm. why I think you're going to see Jared Parker kind of talk to some kids. We might see some 2023 tight ends visit, you know. And and a name that I don't think we'll see and hope we don't see is Mac Markway. He's a good football player, but to me, he is a blocker primarily guy and a short yardage guy, which. I've, I view him as a lesser version of Cooper Flanagan, in my opinion. That's how I see Mac Markway. And uh, you do not bring in two of those type of players in the same kind of cl- in the same class. You just can't. You have to, to your point, Ryan, you have to bring in some level of versa- of, of complementary skill set at tight end, which is why like a Deuce Robinson and a or a Jackson Howard would have been such a great fit with a Cooper Flanagan. 
but you know, obviously they they chose to go a different route. So I think the board will evolve over time. If a kid pops up that they really like, they would go for him. But I think it would have to be someone that they view as on par or even maybe a little bit ahead of Cooper Flanagan because they like Cooper Flanagan a lot. I mean, they think he's a really good football player. So um, I think they view him as more of how I think it's 247 views him as a like number 99 in the country. I think is what 24 Notre Dame views him more like that than the other services rank him in the 200s. Now they could be right. They could be wrong. We, that's not the, that's not what we're arguing here. It's just, it's understanding how they view him to understand why the board is being put together the way that it is. And that's, that's the point. So I think, I think running back and tight end, you know, for right now, I, I barring them being able to get an absolute dude like a justice Haynes, I think for now, when it comes to 2023 recruits, I, I I don't see them really making a push beyond that, in my opinion, Ryan. Yeah, no, I, I don't either. Like I said, I think that if the running back board and the tight end board ended today the way it was, I think Notre Dame would be happy with it, right? Like right. they would be content with it. Sure. What is there a possibility that somebody may, you know, hop onto the board where they maybe maybe it's a Deuce Robinson, like you said, where you know you played yourself out of that one a little bit, but now with Coach Parker coming in, maybe you take another swing at it and then you get back in the good graces, or it's a running back that kind of comes out of nowhere, bursts onto the scene, whatever it might be, that you do stretch that board to two and on each in each side of it. But I think right now. If it's one, they'd be fine with it. I don't think that they're mm-hmm. going again. They're not going to. They're not going to add just to add. You mentioned Markway, right. who I, th- I think brother played at South Carolina was a pretty solid football player, if I remember correctly. And and I agree with you. I think Mac has a makings of a you know good solid blocking tight ends. You know, kind of unrefined pass game weapon sort of. You know, not not not. I don't want to say unrefined. That's not that's not positive. But you're not you're not expecting him to be a high producer in the passing right. game right away. It's you know right. it's just he needs work. But I, I don't think that you're going to stretch the class for that type of player. I right. think that you're going to take swings for guys again, Justice Haynes, Deuce Robinson. Like those are the guys Jackson that Howard, names. Right. Jackson Howard. Right. Those are the targets. And, that Notre and right now they're all after. long shots. I mean, that's the other thing too. Is we talk a lot about Justice Haynes because Notre Dame wants him. And they're going to recruit him, and he's he listens. He talks to him. Right? There's a chance sure. he'll visit again. Yep. But he's always like Georgia. They just Georgia. won a national title. Yeah. And you know, I just I don't see him leaving the SEC country. I don't. Notre Dame's doing what they should do. They're they're giving it their best shot, right? But I don't see that. And I, th- I think they're realistic to know that. But if they miss on them, like I said, I, I think they're I think they feel comfortable with that. I, I think they they really like the kid they got last year. Like Jadarian Price, they like a lot. Now, obviously, Logan Diggs and Audric Estime are younger backs. They really like Cedric Irvin. So I think they're I think they're comfortable with where they are. And and I think the other thing too is I think. I think Dylan McCullough is going to need some time to get his his hands on the current group to say, hey, look, let me coach these kids up for a little bit, evaluate what we have, then we can decide if maybe we need to go make a push. So that's the other thing that I that I think uh, you could look at, Ryan, and say when we get out of the spring, if like in, in, in May you start seeing Dylan McCullough looking at a lot of different running backs, then that's going to tell us a little something about what maybe he thinks of of this class or, or those type of things. So um, that's the other thing is this could all change a little bit, like, you know, not here and there. Once these new coaches on offense get a chance to kind of get their hands on these kids in the spring and really see what they got, they may say, Hey, look, you know what? Like, you know, we move this kid over here and we love our numbers and all these kids have two years left and all those other kind of things. I think we're okay. You know, maybe we don't need that many guys or maybe we don't need this or we don't need that or whatever else the case may be. You know, I think those are situations where 
you know, it'll evolve a little bit, but I'm comfortable with the numbers that we provided for people today. And, and as we saw, there's some really good players, some really good players on the board. When you Absolutely. Before yep. we go, Ryan, we did have a super chat that I wanted to get to. I want to address this uh, for Matt Anderson. Matt, thank you so much for your uh, super chat. Because I put this in on your gap closers article with the same thing. Not sure if you've talked about it but yet, but basically you said Notre Dame needs six five-stars to compete. They've never landed more than two. How are they going to get six? I don't remember saying that, Matt. I'm not saying that I didn't or that I didn't say something along it like I might have said like, you know, like randomly. But I, I, don't, I, I don't really care about the star ranking, so I wouldn't then say they need six guys. What I think they need is they need six like stars on their team. I think you need like two to three like stars on your offense and defense to be a champion. And I think if you look at Bama and Georgia and Clemson and teams like that, that's about where they've been, like three to four just star players, then a bunch of good players. And and so, but to your point, it's also not about in a class. If I ever said that, I'm, I'm pretty sure I didn't say that in a class, they need six, five stars. I, I, I mean, for someone who is really like, I don't care about stars. I don't think I would make that kind of statement. And and if I if I made a comment about six, it would have been referring to the current roster, not in a class. But here's something about the current class: Keon Keeley's a five star, Drake Bowen's a five star. Rivals has Brennan Vernon in that five star category. Now we don't know if they're going to keep him in that area or not. I won't be shocked at all. If if Peyton Bowen ends up as a five star when it's all said and done, that right there is like three to four in this class. I feel really good about where Notre Dame is with Dante Moore. That's five if they get him right. I mean, so it's not out of the question that they do end up with five if the ranking services hold true to their rankings, which is not a given. But I would I if I said that either either I meant the whole roster or I misspoke. I don't think I would ever say Notre Dame needs six or five stars in one class. I, I don't think I've ever said that. Um, I, yeah, I just, I don't, but um, I hope that kind of addressed that. Ryan, you have any thoughts on that? No, no. I, I, th- I think like you said, though, I mean, it's, it's possible <laughs> six of the mm-hmm. class. I mean, it's, it's obviously not likely. That's a, that's a lot yeah. in a single class, yeah. but like you said, it's, it's about, it's about distribution of talent, right? Like mm-hmm. it's not about just like one class. We're talking about a cycle by cycle. Like this needs to be a consistent thing, which I think is is changing under Coach Freeman. And you mentioned a lot of guys, um, you know, like the Peyton Bowens that could be in that conversation. I wouldn't be surprised if Justin Rett took a big jump, right, with with his with his right. type of skill set. Maybe not quite to five star, but I mean, he could get into the ballpark. I think with the talent level he has. You mentioned yeah. Dante Moore. You're in a conversation with Samson Okalola, who's they're not in the best position with right now. They could change, and he's a five star by twenty, you know, by two four seven. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of options, and there's a lot of talent that Notre Dame fans should be very excited about for 2023. A lot of a lot of great players on the board yeah, right now. No doubt, no doubt. So I just I want to make that clear, and I want to point out too that like in in the last three years, Bama's only got to six in a class once. They only signed right. like three composite five stars last year. They only signed four in 2020. One of them has already transferred. That would be Drew Sanders. They only signed uh, they signed six, I think, in 2021, which is a very high number. Let me see here: one, two, three, four, seven in 2021. But one of them has already transferred, mm-hmm. uh, Kamara Wheaton. So, yeah, uh, 
pretty sure I didn't I didn't say that, but I will I would definitely say that if again what I care about when it comes to five stars is I don't care about what your recruiting rank was. I care what you were in college. Do I do I take points away from how good Will Fuller was because he was only a four star top two hundred guy? Do I take points away from Isaiah Foskey who plays like a five star because he wasn't ranked in the top two hundred? I don't care. I don't care where you're ranked. You know, Jeremiah Wusukoromo was a three-star recruit. He he was a five-star college football player. I do think you need six stars on your team to really be a championship caliber football team. And I think you could get to easily get to that with the last most of the recent title teams. Georgia, I think, would be a little bit more debatable because some of their stars were banged up or injured, so they didn't necessarily play like that. Like George Pickens is a five-star talent but he wasn't a five-star last year because he was never healthy, right? Is that You know what I mean? Like Jordan right. Davis, N'Kobe Dean. Adam um, Anderson didn't play down the stretch with his legal issue. Right, right. Yeah. He would have mm-hmm. been another guy. You know, yep. you watched Darren Kendrick. Would you count him as a five-star talent? I mean, you know, <sighs> I think what made Georgia so good is top to bottom. They were just really good everywhere. But right. uh, the other the, – uh, James Cook plays like a five-star sometimes. Like when James Cook is on, he plays like a five star. Brock Bowers, that's the other one. He played like a five star, the tight end. But they didn't have that many either. They benefited from it being a down year in college football, which I said before the season. They benefited from like three of Alabama's five stars not playing in that game or getting hurt in the first half. That helped too. So uh, I think when you look at like LSU, I mean, I I wouldn't call it more than five or six five stars in a team, right? I mean, they had Joe Burrow. They had Jamar, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, Jamar Chase. They had Justin mm-hmm. Jefferson. They had Derek Stingley. They had like maybe one other guy on defense. Uh, you could maybe maybe throw Clyde Edwards Hilaire in there. I don't. I, I I think he was more of a system fit than he was a five star player. You know, Clemson in twenty eighteen. Trevor Etienne, Justin Ross, T Higgins, Isaiah. I mean, that one was probably the most five star ridden team you get to the yep. dexter lawrence i mean that D line alone yeah. that D line alone <laughs> had three five stars and I, again we're talking about college football players then you have isaiah simmons aj terrell to your point and trayvon mullen was no bum he, he's, com- you know, he's not a five star yeah. but he was a really good player you know hunter renfro really good football player but you know justin ross was a five star that year he played like one t played like a five star that year you and I will disagree on that, right? We've 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 discussed that. I think you'd probably put T a little bit below that, but I think he was a five-star college football player. And then Travis Etienne and Trevor Lawrence, right? Were were that guy. But that that was that was about as much as you're gonna see. Again, like just true five-star players on, on one team. So that, Matt, I think would be a more realistic conversation. I'm I'm pretty sure that I never said, unless it was a miss uh, misspeaking about um saying they need six five-stars in, in a class. Uh, Colin Parks says Terrace Marshall is also a five-star in LSU. Again, we're not talking about recruiting rankings. I don't think Terrace Marshall was a five-star player. It's pretty good. Good player. Yeah, but I don't think player. he was a five. I mean, five-star to me is like top 20. You're, in the, you're one of the 25 best players in college football caliber, that kind of thing, right? Like if you're ranked 40th, that's an f- early second-round pick, I don't think that makes you elite. And that would be your argument for T. Higgins not being a five-star because he was – Drafted in the 30s, right? I just think T was a really good player, so I think that would be that. I, I don't, Ryan. You can you can disagree with me if you're if if you uh, if you'd like. Do you think that Terrace Marshall is a, a five star kid? Again, we're talking about the 2019 team. We're not talking about like no. Terrace maybe became one in 2020. 
We're talking about on that team at that time as far as where they are in their production and their development as players. So 2019, Terrace Marshall, before he got injured midseason, he was leading college football in touchdown catches when he got injured. In 2020? Talking about in 2020, he was uh no, no 2019 on that on that uh-huh. on that really good team. He was actually mm-hmm. leading college football in touchdown catches when he got hurt. I think he was trending towards getting to that consistency, mm-hmm. but then the injury I think derailed him a little bit towards the stretch. So I would agree there. 2020, he took a big step forward. I still don't know yeah. if I would calculate him as a five star impact dude because like, mm-hmm. I mean he was really good, but like right. again, was he was he one of the top two or three wide receivers in college football that year? I'm not sure about that, right. man. Like it's just I, close. Yeah, I think if you're like in that top five category. And I think, um, you know, I think to me, you'd be in that conversation. So I just wanted to, and I'm trying to think where Terrace was taken in the second round, 59th overall pick. I think that's a fair, a fair assessment of where he was. He was like a top 50 ish kind of player in the country last year. I don't know if I'd put him in that like top, top group of players. And that's, that's where where we're coming from. So I just wanted to answer that question before we got going, Ryan. Uh, and we'll we'll be back tomorrow. We'll we'll do tomorrow. We'll have more of a team conversation. We're we're gonna on two on Wednesday. We're gonna get together and we're gonna talk about the defensive version of this, and uh, and, and we'll kind of get into that. And then of course Wednesday night we're gonna start diving into the wide receiver board for Notre Dame. So that will be our Wednesday night film session. And then at some point in time this week we haven't decided which day that's gonna be. Whether it's gonna be Tuesday or Thursday. Uh, Ryan, Sean, and I are going to get together and we're going to have a conversation about um, just looking at just the, the nation. You know, where does Notre Dame really need to emphasize recruiting and what regions of the country do they need to focus? What's the base? What are the areas that that need to be sort of that away from home base, you know, or areas where, you know, you're never going to be the dominant program, but you always need to have an impact there. And what are some areas where you're not doing well now? that need to be more impactful because Notre Dame does this. That's why Notre Dame has ramped up St. Louis recruiting in the last four or five years, because they see you know, St. Louis starting to produce more and more players. The private schools in St. Louis are starting to produce more players, which is, you know, from where they got Kyron Williams, but there's just more kids that fit the Notre Dame profile off the field as well. There's more Tyson Fords. There's more Kyron Williams. There's more players like that coming out of, out of, Missouri, out of St. Louis area. So they've clearly going into there more. So we'll kind of dive into that conversation and uh, and dis- discuss all those things. So I don't know if that'll be tomorrow or Thursday. Probably Thursday. I have to get with Sean and Ryan and see what their schedules are. But more of the story. Got a lot of recruiting stuff coming for you this week. So I know that makes Ryan happy. Uh, so we're we're gonna have a lot of, to talk about this week. Make sure you stay locked into IrishBreakdown.com. Hit the like button, subscribe, hit that notification bell, and share our podcast. Get on the message board. We got tons of conversation about this. You'd have already known there was a lot more scoop than even we discussed today. In my Intel piece, I think I put it what was that Friday night, Ryan. I put that up, I think is what it was. Yes. Uh, yep. So you, you would have seen that uh, a lot going on. So boards at irishbreakdown.com. If you're listening via podcast, give us a five star review. Check out our built bar deal 10% off your entire purchase. If you sign up for the message board as a monthly member, you get a 10% off your entire merch store purchase, your next merch store purchase. If you sign up for an annual membership, you get 20% off your merch store. So you get cool stuff like this. You get cool stuff like uh, that. the flags that we both have hanging in our backgrounds. Ryan, I just noticed you're not actually wearing a hat today. I don't know if I've ever seen you. I got a haircut, like, man. On a podcast, not with a hat on. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. So uh, uh, check out the merch store. And uh, if you sign up, like I said, you get that discount. So 
Thanks everybody for being with us today. Uh, hit that like, hit that subscribe, hit the notification bell, share this podcast, get on the boards with us, check out irishbreakdown.com. Check out that must gets article that I have on irishbreakdown.com. Be curious to hear some people's feedback and thoughts on that. Uh, and so for Ryan, I'm Brian. Everybody have a great rest of your day and thank you for joining us on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.